0: Welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. The following podcast is from the Sword of the Spirit Bible Conference. This is the evening service of Sunday the 19th of February 2012, entitled Preparing for Departure, and the Bible reading is taken from 1 John 3, verses 1 to 4. Here's Brother Brian Beaver. 1 John is one of the most intriguing books I believe in, in the New Testament for a few reasons. My pastor in Hickory told me one time, he said, Brian, if you ever witness to anybody, and they come to you and say they're doubting whether or not they're saved, he said the best book that they could use to see if there's evidence is that they're a born-again believer is the book of 1 John. He says you ought to take the book of 1 John and take a piece of paper, Peter, draw a line down the middle of it, put everything on one side that represents a saved person that's written in um, in, in 1 John, and everything that represents a lost person or an unsaved person, on the other side of the page from First John, and then have a check to see which which side you're on. There's been a lot of you come to me and ask me some questions about. Well, you know, uh, <laughs> there's times in my life where I I don't feel saved. Uh, I don't get those uh, warm goosebumps, you know, when the songs are played or anything like that. I want to give you a few things tonight in in light of our message. I have. Uh, I'm gonna be in, in chapter three, but we're gonna do a little survey. It's only five chapters, gonna do a little survey of each chapter, show you a few things from each chapter, and then we'll jump back over to chapter number three, and we'll look at verses one through four. But my title tonight is how to uh, preparation for departure, or if I could put it another way, Operation Evacuation. Amen. Operation evacuation. We've talked a lot about what in the world's going on, and guess what? If you are a born-again believer and you're saved by the blood of Christ tonight, listen, you can tell a lot of people that you are, but you and God know that, whether you are or not. And if you are, you're not going to be here when the rapture takes place. You're going to be caught up in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. So what we want to do tonight is we want to look at a few things, Steve, about this book and how it applies to us as God's people. Won't you look at chapter number 1. Let your eyes fall to verse number 5, and let's start right there. The first thing that we look at here is what I call lighting your path. If you're going to be, listen, if you're going to be a person that's going to be prepared for departure, you have to have your path lit. Psalm 119, 105, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my, okay, so we're looking at the scripture. We want this to light our path. Here's what God says. Look at verse number five. This then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light And in him is no darkness at all. Number one, we see God's character about this lighted path. God's character, Steve. It says in him is light and in him is no darkness at all. May I say this? There's a lot of people that can be questioned in their character. I've told some of you young people have come to me about things in your family, about some situations in your life where people are having altercations and they're spreading rumors about you. May I say this? If you take care of your character, God will take care of your reputation. If you take care of your character, God will take care of your reputation. There is, Listen, there's a lot of people that you can question their character, but there's one person you've never question character about, and that is our Heavenly Father. Amen? He's always faithful. He's always true. And may I say this? He'll want to do good to you all the days of your life if you'll let Him. That means in good and bad. We know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to His purpose. You know, there's three crowds in this world. Three groups of people, guys. Listen to me. Number one, there is a group of people that is evident that they do not love God. Amen? There is a definite group of people that show that they don't love God. That's obvious. There's also another very obvious group, Brother Penos, and that is a people that do love God. And the Bible says we know that all things work together for good to them that love God. But can I say this to everybody in this room? And this is the reason why we go out and we witness to our family. We witness to our loved ones. We witness to our friends and those that are on the streets of Birmingham in the city center. You want to know why we do it, Steve? It's because of that third group. There's a group that do not love God. They're obvious. There's another group that do love God. They're obvious. But the group that concerns me the most is the group that don't know whether they love God or not. You know what, I I, I contend to you that just go ahead and do God a favor. If you're not going to love Him and you're wanting to live for the world, just go ahead and live for the world and live for your flesh and live it up. Because you know what, chances are you're not saved to begin with and God can work with a cold cucumber instead of a lukewarm Christian. Hello? Hello? He can work with somebody that is cold as a cucumber and somebody that is boiling for Christ, but that person that's lukewarm, I read in my Bible somewhere where it makes God sick. It said he'd spew lukewarm people out of his mouth. The word spew there is a pretty graphic word, which means to vomit. <laughs> I don't want to make God sick. We see something about God's character here. In him is light. And there is no darkness in him at all. God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. But look at verse number 6. If we're going to have this path lit, number one, we need to know God's character. But number two, Peter, we need to know God's consequence. Do you understand, young people? When you make choices, there are consequences. Every choice has a consequence. You sow, you reap. Do you know you reap what you sow? You don't plant carrots and reap corn. Amen? You don't plant beans and reap broccoli. You plant corn, you reap corn. You reap what you sow. You reap more than you sow. Everybody in this room knows if you plant one kernel of corn in the ground, don't one kernel of corn pop out of the ground. A stalk pops out of that ground, and on that stalk are ears of corn, and on every ear of corn is plenty of kernels. You've reaped what you sowed. You've just reaped more of it. But here's what a lot of Christians don't realize. Is not only do you reap what you sow and you reap more than you sow, but you reap later than you sow. You know what Ecclesiastes 9.11 says? Because sentence against an evil work is not executed speedily. The hearts of the sons of men, Pentos, is fully set in them to do evil. You say, preacher, what does that mean? Here's what we do, Tim. A person gets away with something in their life and they're looking around their shoulders and looking over their shoulders to see if anybody's caught them and they, they'll get caught and they go, got away with that. You know what we cause? We don't think that God executes judgment right when we do something wrong. And you know what? We get away with it. We think that we're off clear, scot-free. You know what the Bible says? The Bible says that God, listen, what you sow, you will reap. He that soweth to the flesh shall reap of the flesh, reap corruption. But he that soweth to, to the Spirit shall reap of the Spirit life everlasting. God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap consequences. We make bad choices, we reap those. But you know what God can do? This is what I love about our God's character. God is light, and you know what our God will do, Peter? He'll return beauty for ashes, and He'll make a beautiful portrait out of what we mess up. I love that about our God. I can guarantee you there are other gods that people worship that don't have that same character. Matter of fact, there's one God that we know a lot of people around here worship, and if you do wrong, listen, their their whole religion is about submission. And God is never known as a God of love. See, our God is not only love, but thank God He's light. May I say this to everyone in the sound of my voice tonight? Here's what you have to understand about God. Number one, His character, but number two, His consequences. Just because you don't get judged immediately doesn't mean you're going to get away with it. And by the way, we always look at that thing about sowing and reaping negatively, but it's also positive. The verse don't stop at the chapter 6 of Galatians. Don't just stop right there, Pastor, when it says, you know, they that sow the flesh shall rub the flesh, reap corruption. The next verse says, and let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall Huh? Y'all, come on now, help me out. I know I'm tired too. Come on now, help me. Uh, listen, let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we will reap if we faint not. You know what? All we want to do is think negatively. We need to think about what we do for God positively, that you know what? The good consequences are going to come. Hey, listen. They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goeth forth with weeping, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. Huh? I'll be done in a minute. It'll be okay. I'm going to be done in just a minute, okay? Some of you look like you ain't liking this, but that's all right. I'm enjoying it. I even got a headache. I'm preaching. It wouldn't bother me if God took me right now. Just a heart attack. Ooh, fall right over. Right in the pulpit. That's the way to go, ain't it, Tim? What a way to go. But let me tell you something. God's character... He's light. God's consequences. Look at verse number 6. If we say that we have no fellowship with Him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. God's got consequences. But I want you to look at verse number 7. Here's a conditional promise. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another and the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from Huh. Son, aren't you glad that we don't just have our sins covered? They have been washed. All of them. And I say this as far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions. And I don't have time to go into the study of that Hebrew verse, but it, you know what it implies? That all of our transgressions are cast away from us. And I say this, they are not cast into the sea of forgetfulness. That term is not even in the Bible. We tell, we say God just put his, put our sins into the sea of forgetfulness. No, our sins are cast into the sea of no remembrance. You won't let God, you don't, listen, Malcolm, you know how much God loves us. Our God loves us so much, He don't forget our sin. He can't forget anything. He chooses not to remember our sin. And you know what He does? He don't bring it up again. When you are forgiven, God don't bring it up to your account again. I wish we were like that in our marriages and our relationships. You're welcome. Some of y'all didn't like that at all. But lighting our path, God's, listen, God's character, God's, listen, consequences. But here we see God's cleansing. If we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another and the blood. Well, there goes that slaughterhouse religion again. Always talking about bloody, 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 bloody hope I don't make Tineka sick. She, you know, I know she don't like to hear about that. <laughs> Nobody really does. I don't like black pudding. Don't think I ever taste it. Huh? Oh, that bloody religion. You better thank God for the blood. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission for sin. Hebrews 9.22. 9, there has to be the shedding of blood. And Jesus Christ had to die that cruel death so we could be redeemed. Thank God He took our place. He took my place, Karen. He's took my place. I should have been on that cross. I should have hung there. But thank God, Peter. Let me say something to you, Peter. I love you, brother. Don't you ever lose that passion for Christ. Don't you ever lose that. Because you know what? You show me a man. You show me somebody like Peter knows where he's been, I'll show you a man that knows where he's going. Amen? I remember where I came from. Don't ever forget where God saved you. David said, I waited patiently on the Lord. He inclined unto me and heard my cry. He brought me up also out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and he set my feet on a rock, and he established my goings, and he had put a new song in my mouth, even praise to our God. Many shall see it in fear and shall trust in the Lord. You want to know why I sing? I sing because he lives. I sing because he lives. And the only reason I live is because I've been cleansed. I hadn't been covered. I've been cleansed with the blood of Christ. Amen. So listen, folks, the first thing we see, and man, I'm already running out of time. I ain't even got the first chapter done. All right. Look over at chapter number two very quickly. Look at verse number 14. Not only do we see the lift, listen, the lighting of our path, but Dino number two, we see the loving of not loving this world. Look at this now, folks. Listen. He says, "Love not." Verse fifteen. Excuse me. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. Now, listen. Don't get mad at me. I didn't say this. The Holy Spirit allowed John to write this down. Okay. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. The world there does not mean what it means in John three sixteen. John said three sixteen. For God so loved the world, is mankind. Here, the word "it world" means world system. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. And all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away in the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Now look at me. Before you think I'm going to be pious and some kind of super spiritual fundamentalist, You can do everything in this, listen, you can do everything in this life to have all the T's crossed and the I's dotted and you might look like a Christian and walk like a Christian, talk like one, have your hair cut the right way, have on the right suit, and you could bust hell wide open. So here I am not talking about rules and regulations and standards. Though they are noble and good, those do not enter you into heaven nor merit favor with God. Matter of fact, God says in Isaiah that every one of our righteous works are as filthy rags. I do not have time to go into that, but it's almost implying like the rags that a leper would wrap his body in. That's what our good works look like to God, is leper wrappings. I love these people. I meet on the street sometime in America, and the first question I ask them, Neil, I say, Are you prepared for eternity? Yep. Got my name on the church roll. Well, I didn't even ask you that. Hey, have you been saved? Yep. Seven times. And they think I'm talking about from car accidents and falls off of buildings. They have no concept of what salvation is. And how will they know? Pastor Larry said it in our question time. How will they know? Except they have a preacher. Somebody's got to go tell them. And you know what? Brian Beaver and Larry Curtis are not the only preachers in this room. And Steve are not the only preachers in this room tonight. There are a lot of them. Matter of fact, I see about 57 to 60 of them right before me. You say, well, preacher, I'm a woman. I can't preach. Oh, yeah, you can. Uh, Trust me. You can. You know what? Some of you ladies have had a congregation of three to five to six people. It's called your children. Huh? You know what I thought about this? Those little precious little boys, that little boy and girl running around here. Where's Jenny at? They're running around here. Well, they just run around a minute ago. Are they still out there? <laughs> okay. But uh, I was thinking about them today. You know what? It, it, I, I love to hear that. I love to hear the chatter of children in a church. Huh? Except maybe when they're getting the rear, rear end tore up. You know what I'm saying? But... But but I love to hear the chatter of children. You know what, ladies, ladies? The only thing you'll ever take to heaven is your children if they're saved. It's the only thing you'll ever take to heaven. So we're to teach them the principles and precepts of God's Word. But listen, folks, don't love the world system. This world is so, so deceptive in dragging us into it. Now listen, Paul said, you know what? I was to try to be as a Jew so I might reach the Jews. When I went to Corinth, I preached so I could reach the Corinthians. When I went to, listen, to Rome, I wanted to preach so I could reach the Romans. And I'm to be all things to all men that I might by all means save some. And you know what that does not mean? That does not mean that Paul was the biggest compromiser in all the world. Paul was a righteous man. But I can guarantee you he used methods and motivations to reach people. And it was different in Ephesus than it was in Philippi. It was different in Corinth than it was in Milesia. M- I'm just saying, folks, this man did everything by all means necessary to reach people. You know what we did last night? We busted balloons between one another. And you know what it did? It encouraged us. We left that thing a whole lot better. Now, I know people probably think we're crazy. But we listen. We were encouraged by that we to try to be all all things to all men at all times that we might by all means save some. And folks, but we're not to do... Listen, we're not to do it like the world does it. There's got to be a delineation between us and who we're trying to reach. There's got to be a difference. And you know what that difference is? It's Jesus. Jesus is the difference. You show me a man that's had Christ come and meet with him, I'll show you a different man because when Christ comes, things change. Huh? There's a lot of you that are testimony to that. I look at Romani over there. I look at, you know, folks that all over this, listen, I have I have talked to and I remember the first time I met him and I see him now. And Christ is making a dramatic change and difference in their life. That's amazing to me because the only person that can do that is the Son of God. That's the only person that can do it. Turn over to chapter number four. We'll we'll skip chapter number three and come back to it because I've got a point I want to show you. Number one, this thing, listen, operation evacuation. If we are going to be ready, if we are going to prepare ourselves for departure, number one, we need to understand the lighting of our path. Number two, the loving of not loving this world, not loving this world, but the comparison of that, don't love the world. Here he says in chapter number four, Tim, love your brethren. Look at verse number 20. If a man say, I love God and hateth his brother, he's a, let me go ahead and say it, a bold-faced liar. For that he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? And this commandment have we from him, that he who loveth God loves his brother also. Now I'm going to go ahead and meddle a little bit. And it's all right, I got about 10 minutes. I'll use every bit of it. it. <laughs> heaven. There's, there's gonna be times in your life where the most discouragement you ever get, the most hurt you ever feel, is gonna be not from without, but from within. See, Tim, we expect it from outside, but we don't ever expect it from inside. Folks, can I say this? Forgive me. Can I just say this? There's going to have to be a time in your life where you've got to give people the benefit of the doubt. And you know what? The only, the only thing I can tell you is sometimes you're just going to have to forgive people when they don't even come to you and ask for it. The only way you really love people is to accept them where they're at and... Somebody asked me, why is it so hard? I've got a sister-in-law who has hurt my feelings, and I just can't forgive her. Why is it so hard? You want to know why it's hard? It's because when you forgive people, you set yourself up to be hurt again. Huh? Now, I'm just talking to Bethel's, my family. The reason we get hurt, guys, when we got somebody that does something to us, the reason it's so hard to forgive them is because, you know what? When we do that, we have to take a deep, introspective look at our own selves and say, you know what? To Be quite honest, Lord, I've done the same thing they did to me before. And I want to just give you a real word of encouragement. when you can learn to forgive people. you know what the Bible says? Be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted. Now listen to me, I'm not making this up, Ephesians chapter four verse 32. "Be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven. I said this earlier on this week. There is no way a person on the side of my voice tonight could ever say, I can't forgive that person. You might say you won't forgive that person, but you'll never be able to say you can't. Because the way you forgive is you look at Calvary. That's the way you forgive people. You know what? Love... And by the way, in order to forgive somebody, you don't have to forget it. See, folks, you may not forget somebody that's offended you or you have ought against, but there's nowhere in the Scripture that says you have to forget something in order to forgive somebody. You say, why are you talking about that when it says love your brethren? Because that's the first thing that hinders real love is unforgiveness. Huh? I may be speaking to somebody tonight. You've got an unforgiving spirit there's a part of you that you said, you know what, they've hurt me too bad. I can't do that. I can't never forget it. I told a dear sister a story this week. I told a dear sister of mine a story about a man who came into town, found out that there was a lady in town who was so bitter and enraged, wondered what was wrong, Went down there and found out that this lady, listen, she had a father who hated her guts and treated her like a dog. Matter of fact, there was a tree in her front yard and she said that he used to take her hands, tie them together, throw the rope over the first limb, pull it up to her feet were about that far off the ground and whip her till she could not even breathe. And she said, I hate my daddy. I don't want nothing to do with him. And what do you expect me to do? I can't forget what he did to me. And she told him the story about that tree and how he would tie her up and do that. You know what that man did? That man went home, came back with a handsaw, one of those that's got a handle on one side and a handle on the other. And he said, I'm not going to do this by myself. You're going to help me. And do you know what him and that young lady did? They got at the trunk of that tree and they cut that tree down and they pulled it off the property. And he said, young lady, now what you've got to do, the tree's been chopped down. Now you've got to forget it. There's some of you in here that's holding on to things and you know what you need to do? Chop it down and forget about it. Say la. Think about that. That's what the psalmist said. Chew on that a while. Some of you in here is holding on to things, and you know what? I you from the depths of my soul. Young people, don't you get caught in this thing. You know what I've heard? Unforgiveness and bitterness is almost like this, Steve. Bitterness and unforgiveness is like you drinking poison and waiting for the person that you're angry at to die. Why is this thing cutting in and out like that? You, listen, your could be like you drinking poison and waiting for somebody else to die. Must something. I must be trying to say something important because the microphone is being possessed by a demon right now. That's all right, though. I know y'all can hear me. <laughs> Try to hide. I want you to listen to me. You don't hold a grudge. It holds you. It says, love the brethren over chapter number 5. I want to move quickly. I've only got a few minutes. Chapter number 5. Look at verse number 9. Chapter number 5 and verse number 9. It says, If we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. For this is the witness of God which he hath testified of his Son. He that believeth on the Son of God hath the witness in himself and he that believeth not hath made him a liar, God a liar, because he believeth not the record that God gave us his Son. Now look up at me. Folks, if you think you can believe me as an earthly man, that's okay, but I'm going to let you down. Sooner or later, if you're around me long enough, I'm going to let you down. But if we can receive the witness of men, if we can trust men, God said He's greater and we can trust Him. You want to know why? Because of two reasons. We have a witness from within and a witness from without. We have the Spirit of God which lives in us and we have the Scriptures of God which we can read every day. Now, I want you to look down at verse number 10. Verse number 11, excuse me. And this is the record that God hath given to us, eternal life, and this life is in His Son. He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. These things I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may... Let's say that again. You may know that you have eternal life, and that you believe on the name of the Son of God. Now, I want all of you to look up at me. You do not base. This is the record that God has given unto us eternal life and this life is in His Son. You do not base your salvation on how you feel, what you do, or if you get that warm goosebumply feeling and a service. Because I'm going to tell you something, if you only base your salvation on how you feel, you ain't going to feel saved 90% of the time. What's the verse that we use this week? In this world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. You're going to have tribulation. James said, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into divers temptations. The scripture don't say if you fall into them. It says when you do. So young people, look at me. If we don't base it on how we feel, then what do we base our salvation on? This is the record that God has given unto us eternal life. May I say this? What you need to do if you're really struggling or whether or not you're saved or not, fact of the matter is, if you are and you feel like you're not, it's because you don't have assurance. And the only way you get assurance is from what God said, not what Brian said, but what God said. Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life, present tense, and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. The scripture right here says, "He that hath the son hath life." Let me ask you something: You don't have the son, you don't have life. You got to have the son. And by the way, don't base your salvation on a bunch of road markers or landmarks in your life that like standards or good. You know what? It doesn't matter. What you've got to do is you've got to trust Christ. And your salvation is not a feeling; it's a standing. Romans chapter 5, verse 1. What does it say? Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. So your salvation is a standing, not a feeling, because you base it on what God said. Now, you say, preacher, we ain't not even looked at chapter 3, and it's 701. I'm just going to be just a second. Look over at chapter number 3, and I want you to look at verse 1. I want to give you one thought, and then we're going to go to the house. All right? I know some of you young people got a little drive ahead of you, so I want to get you back home, okay? (laughs) Look here. Chapter number 3, look at verse number 1. Behold, now listen to this. Now, you want to talk about encouragement. Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the children of God. Look at that that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not because it knew Him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God and it does not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when He shall appear, we shall be like Him for we shall see Him as He is. Now I want you to t- focus your attention on verse number 4. And every man that hath this hope in Him purified himself even as He, Christ, is pure. Now, look up at me. Here's the truth of God's Word. Number one, we need to make sure that we are lighting our path, that God, we're allowing God to light our path. Number two, we've got to make sure that we're not in love with the world. Number three, chapter four says we ought to love the brethren. Chapter five talks about the liberty we have through the Scripture. We have liberty. We've been set free. We've been saved because of what God said. Not on what we've done, but on the basis of what He did. Amen? That goes, listen, that flies in the face of every other religion. That flies in the face of what most denominations preach. Because you know what? We, as God's people, believers, we're going to base our salvation on this book and not how we feel. Stop doubting whether or not you are if you are. This is the blood of Christ is not on trial. Trust it. Okay? But the last point I got is this. If we're on Operation Evacuation and we're trying to prepare for departure, hallelujah, I wish it happened tonight. It wouldn't bother me one bit. It wouldn't bother me a bit if we went on to heaven. But Operation Evacuation, this time of departure, that's what Paul said, the time of my departure is at hand. He was talking about a physical death. But thank God, one of these days, I believe that everybody on the sign of my voice, if you live a natural life of 70 to 80 years, there may not be one person in this room that will ever taste the grave because I believe we're going to be raptured before you die. Amen. But it says that every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself even as Christ is pure. You you say, Preacher, what do you mean? Every man that hath the hope of what? The hope of the return of Christ. Look at the verse prior to that. We do not know what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. That's the rapture of the church. And every man that hath this hope in him, the hope of the return of Christ, purifieth himself even as Christ is pure. Now, I want all of you to look at me and close your Bibles. Number one, we ought to make sure that our path is being lighted, the lighting of our path. Number two, don't love the world. Number three, love the brethren. Number four, realize you've got liberty in the Scriptures. But number five, if we've got operation evacuation on our mind and we're going to leave this place, number one, the Bible says live in reality. Live in reality. You say, preacher, what do you mean? The reality is this. Jesus Christ could come back and I know Pastor Larry has said it for what, 20 some years now at Bethel Free. But Paul preached it too. And that didn't change the fact of the matter that Jesus is coming back. Live in reality of the return of Christ. I want all of you to look at me. Listen to this now. The greatest word in all the world is God. The greatest fact in all the world is God is. But the greatest reality in all the world, the greatest reality in all the world is God is here. You know what scares me? Is many times, Pastor, we don't practice the presence of God. Many times as Christians, I believe if we did, in light of the imminent return of Christ, we would practice the presence of God. Because, see, here's what we think. A lot of times, we think that God's somewhere up there. No, God's right here. The Holy Spirit of God lives within me. You know what that ought to make me do, Tim? That ought to make me next time I'm on the freeway and somebody tried to cut me off, that ought to to give me an opportunity to try to be led by the Spirit, not my flesh, because I know Jesus is in the car with me. I I know this ain't fun. It ain't fun in my life, all right? It ain't fun to hear the truth sometimes. If I really practiced the presence of God and I believe Jesus could come back at any moment, it would make me have more burden for my family. God is... Here. heard a story one time and I'm done with this. I promise I done lied twice. I better not lie again. I said I was done a minute ago. heard a story. Public high school. One of my friends told me this happened when he was a senior in high school. Public high school, Steve, had gym class. For about a week, two weeks, things got stolen out of the gym class, in the gym, in the locker room. So what they did was they said, we got to figure out something. This was back in the days when they didn't have cameras and all that technology. And he said, I tell you what we're going to do. We're going to use one of the smallest kids in our senior class to get inside one of the stand up lockers. It's that wide, about that tall. Tyler would work, I think, in that. <laughs> oh, he? But he said, You know what? He said, We're going to put him in one of those stand-up lockers, and there's little grooves in the locker, and you can see through them. And he said, we're going to find out if anybody's coming in here during the 11 to 12 o'clock hour and stealing stuff because there's been many, many people uh, make a report that they've had stuff stolen. Well, guess what? The young man that was put in that locker gave testimony. He said this is what he told the principal. He said, I was in that locker for about 25 minutes. He said, I, he said I, was, even, he said I was either hoping that um, they would finish early or that um, somebody would actually come in and I could get out of this locker and go, hey, you're stealing stuff. Because he said, I was about to suffocate. He said he was in that locker for about 20, 25 minutes, and he said a young man walked in. He said he walked back and forth through the little uh, pews that they've got set in front of the lockers, and he said he walked right by where I'm standing. He said, I about didn't even, he said, I felt like I couldn't even take a breath. I was scared he was going to know I was in there. He said he walked around that. He looked down the corridor to see if anybody was coming in the door. He looked that way. He looked around. And he began to take stuff, change, and money out of the kids' pockets and their, their jeans that they had left on the pews. The young man said he didn't open up the locker until he was getting ready to leave. And when he did. He said, the boy about had a heart attack. You can imagine. You know what's amazing? I know, that we, uh, I know that we know God's here. But you know, that boy looked all around. And not one time, I guarantee you, did his heart want to look up. See, we're afraid somebody's going to catch us. You know what? Here's the thing, folks. Live in reality. Practice the presence of God. That means, you know what, tonight... This week, Thursday night, Saturday night, 2 o'clock in the morning, 1.30 in the morning. You know, there's a song that we used to sing as little kids, Be careful little eyes what you see. Be careful little feet where you go. Be careful little hands what you touch. You know, really, folks, if we practice the presence of God, I believe we'd live differently. Many areas of our life. Say, Preacher, I'd never do that stuff at 2 o'clock in the morning. Okay, well, that's fine. But let me ask you something. When you're going down the hallway at uni, or you're riding your bike to work, and the Holy Spirit of God prompts you to go talk to somebody you've passed every day for the last two years, and you don't do it, you really think you're practicing the presence of God? The Holy Spirit leads you. better not quench Him. You better not grieve Him. Jesus said, if you know these things, Happy are ye if you do them.